Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm Matt Moderno. Jihadi White will be joining me here in a minute, just getting this sort of uh, table setting stuff out of the way uh, before we bring him in. As always, we're brought to you by Stateside Vodka and their Surfside Hard Iced Teas, Hard Lemonades, Hard Deliciousness in a can. It's literally the right time of year. So I hope you all go out and give them a try. And uh, if you want to just get together, talk some Wizards and, and have a couple Surfsides, hit me up. We'll uh, Maybe we can get a little a uh, group outing together here to talk uh to off, talk off season in, in person. Also brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your championship finals info, stats and scores. Obviously, NBA finals, NHL, all that stuff pretty much over for the year, but Bet Online is still your sports intel headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs. MLB, UFC, boxing, tennis, golf, all that good stuff. Still plenty of things to bet on the summer. It's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available play right from your home. Get in on the action today, head to the website, and be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Also, just a friendly reminder, we will be doing a live show on 622. Um, that's the night of the draft. The draft coverage starts at 8 p.m., so we're going to do the same thing. And when I say live show, I don't mean live in person somewhere. It'll be a live stream broadcast on the Believe in Wizards Twitter account and the Believe in Wizards YouTube page simultaneously. So you can follow along with us. Uh, Damo from the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast and Kevin Broom from the So Wizards podcast and Bulls Forever will be joining. They're two of the most prominent people that talk draft in the Wizards community. So uh, get two different perspectives there. I'll, I'll weigh in on some stuff myself, obviously. And we'll just talk through what's happening on draft night, what you're seeing. Is it stuff we should be excited about? You know, Do we feel good about what Winger and company are doing for their first draft? All of, you know those good things that that I think um, people will want from a Wizards themed perspective. So that should be super cool. Uh, we're also going to use that as a way to raise some money for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. So if there's anything you want to promote during that episode, let us know. There's a link in this episode description talking about uh, or link directly to our fundraising for that. So yeah, it's your opportunity to sponsor the live stream. It should get a lot of eyes on it. So if you have a company or a business or something you're starting off or Anything like that that you just want to promote, uh, this is an opportunity to do it. And a non or a tax write offable donation uh, is is all it'll cost you. So any dollar amount is appreciated. I think this is just an opportunity for us to say, hey, look, we spend all this time talking about this basketball team and on Twitter and Reddit and all these other things. Uh, let's use them productively and, and say we did some good here along the way. Well, at least make me feel better about all the time I invest in this stuff if I could say something good came out of it. So, uh, you know, just uh, give that a consideration. I know not everybody's in the place to to give financially. Totally understand that. But hey, throw us a retweet or send the link to a buddy who might be interested in uh, doing something like that. You know, we'd obviously really appreciate that. And rating, reviewing, subscribing, all that good stuff helps us keep uh, trying to bring you all good content. So again, super appreciated. Uh, but yeah, let's get to our conversation with Jihadi White. We're just going to talk through the Beal stuff. And as somebody who's lived this from the player side and being traded and being around people being traded, I think he has some really good insight he can offer into that whole situation. And obviously he knows Brad personally, he's been coaching 
Uh, his son's on a Bradley Beal elite team this summer, so he's been around Brad. So maybe we can get a little insight here on on where Brad's at and what the thinking is. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, just something for us to talk through. And uh, yeah, that that's sort of the focus of today's episode is just dialing in on the biggest thing in Wizards news here. And then we're going to talk a little bit about some of the coaching changes and, and personnel moves uh, going on on the side here. So that's the plan. Uh, stay tuned and let's bring in Jihadi. All right, pleased to bring in my co-host here, Jihadi. Jihadi, we have a ton of uh, actual stuff to talk about here. I think today it's going to be what seems like a, the start of an exciting offseason for the Wizards. But most importantly, how you been? I'm good, Matt. How you? I- I'm good. You uh, seems like you've been doing some traveling and some coaching. And how's that been going? It's been going nonstop. I need a vacation from my vacations that go. include basketball. Yep. Right? Yep. I just I need a... Uh, I need some downtime, but I don't have any coming soon. So. There's there's no off season for dad no, and businessman no and all that stuff. No off season right? for some of basketball at all. Yeah, it's probably more busy than during the year. Some of the time, right? It actually is. It actually is. Uh, boys have been doing well though. They're showing out and having a good. Yeah, good they've been doing good. They've been doing really good. Um, you know, my one son is with USA Basketball. My middle son has been hurt for the last. He had a major surgery, so he'd been out for the last year and a half. He finally just came back okay. this weekend, this past weekend, and he did a really had a really good showing. That's you know, great. so it, it gives me kind of a gauge to where okay, well, we can build from. We didn't lose too much. We mm-hmm. lose as much as I thought. You know, um, is he going into his junior year or? Yeah, my two youngest are going into their sophomore year. Oh, okay, gotcha. And then my my oldest is is uh just gra- just graduated high school. Nice. And he has a full ride to college in Florida. Okay. That's um, awesome. So he's doing good. So we're getting he's here this summer too. So nice. now I have to make sure like he's prepared sure. physically, mentally to go into college and really, you know, do his thing. So it's it's one of those summers. Yeah, I can imagine. That's uh that's a lot to a lot to manage there, but all exciting stuff it sounds like. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't trade it. You know, it's, it's what we do. And it's uh, it's a sport that I love and just, you know, I'm grateful that my kids love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Being able to share that same same major passion is pretty cool. Uh, right. one, one of the teams you've been coaching some for, Bradley Beal Elite. Uh, Bradley Beal is in the news here. We've got this whole new front office and seems like the first order of business uh, per ESPN and at Woj and Shams of the Athletic is that uh, trade discussions have have started around Bradley Beal and that they're engaging with his agent Mark Bartlestein. And uh, Brad obviously has a lot of say in where he goes, ultimate say where and where he goes with his no trade clause. So, I guess what's your reaction to this? Just sort of hearing that it, it seems like um, you know a, a move might be coming sooner rather than later. My reaction is. After hearing Brad Bill's um, speech, you know, his last interview right at the end of the season, mm-hmm. pretty much the writing was on the wall, even with him. Yeah. Especially him knowing if, if so first of all, if I'm a player with a no trade clause, I'm pretty much trading myself. Yep. No matter what you say, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm deciding if I'm going to be traded and I'm deciding. If I'm going to be traded, yeah, exactly. where I'm going to be where, traded, yeah. I, I'm actually the GM of me. Yep. 
So when Brad, when we get the news that Brad may be traded, it's already an understanding that he's a part of. Mm -hmm. Right. So Mm -hmm. from then, it's not so easy just saying that because there's so many factors involved. Right. So now you got to look at not the teams that he will fit on most, mm-hmm. the teams that actually can afford him because he's not going to take a pay cut. Yep. And he's not, and he's not going to take a pay cut knowing he's not going to be the top guy. Right. You're not going to go somewhere and, and be you know, fourth. No matter what team he goes to, if, if it's a good team right. and he wants to be in there, he's going to be second or third option. Yeah, maybe 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 co the guy with somebody is how he's looking at yeah. it, right? So right now, to me, it looks like the best options or the best fits that really want him that may have the money to pay him is uh, Milwaukee or Miami. Those have been the big two per Brian Windhorst so far. Uh, uh, Philly has been thrown out. Uh, New York has been thrown out. Uh, we even seen a little bit of could you get him on the Lakers because everybody always has to have a Lakers trade anytime anybody's available. But I don't even know if that would be a good fit. I, I'm not sure that they want to do that. Um, Josh Robinson. Talking about Boston too. Yeah. So because, you know, he wants to play with Tatum, which means to me, only way Boston to work if if you have to keep the three, you got to be a big three. Right. Or or you trade Brown somewhere else because the Wizards aren't see- aren't taking Brown back. I don't think. Yeah, but I don't see it. So now swapping Brown with Brad, how does that work? I, I agree. You'd have to get other stuff in the mix to make that. The, the only reason you do that is if the Brown-Tatum situation has become so untenable and they just don't want to be together long term. Like that's the only way. It, if if Unless they've like totally out on each other, I can't see why you would do that personally. But, but Brown and Brad play two totally different games. Sure. And you, you know, I think... Brad would really fit in the Boston yeah. scheme as an as, a, as another addition, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I don't want know if you want to trade youth right. youth acts like that. I, I wouldn't do it if I were Boston, unless I'd get something out of it. I mean, no disrespect to Brad, but but Tatum or Brown is a better defensive player too, and uh, he's younger. I mean, he's about to make a lot more money. So that's the other thing. If you're not sold on Brown organizationally, he's going to make even more than Brad this offseason. So um, maybe you think Brad can give you enough of what you need and uh, he'll be slightly cheaper, although he's older and more injury prone. So I, I I wouldn't do it if I were them, but you never know. Right. Yeah. Uh, I did think it was a little funny. We saw a bunch of pictures over the weekend of Brad and Tatum hanging out together. And then two days later, you see the report that Brad is now willing to be traded. It's like, eh, did, did Tatum get in his ear a little bit? Or did he just say, you know what? I want what Tatum has. I want to compete for a ring. Or is it just a total coincidence? I, I don't know. I just I thought the the timing was a little bit funny. I'm sure they talked about it. Yeah. You know, I'm I sure they so. talked about it a lot. You know, I'm sure they talk about the option of, Tatum and Brad playing together. I, I yeah, they've they've that. both said they've had. Yeah, but sometimes yeah. it's not always great to play, play with your best friend. Yeah, you know, because it's good to be friends, and then sometimes your friend can be your biggest competitor. Yeah. Then when you're in a, like when you and your best friend are playing on the same team, right? It can ruin mm-hmm. a friendship. I mean, we we heard Brad and Russell Westbrook wanted to play together, and then you know it was a short-lived thing. I'm not saying that they were on the outs, but 
You heard Brad wanted uh, Spencer Dinwiddie originally, and that didn't work out particularly well. So like uh, Westbrook and Harden wanted to play together. That didn't work out particularly well. So I, I think you're you're totally right where sometimes, you know, we're boys and we want good things for each other. But um, the idea of playing together might be better than the actual reality of playing together. Right. Yeah, because you don't, you what happens is basketball is a business. Yep. Now, just because you're my friend, I can't defer too much. Exactly. Right. And yep. when you come, you're going to be expecting me to defer a lot. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, or vice versa. Yep. You know, if you look at the dynamic of how the Celtics were set up before. Brown and Tatum didn't defer to each other. No. They pretty much played. My turn, your turn. Like iso ball. Right. It was like, my, if I have the ball, I'm ISO. And you have it, you ISO. Yeah. Right? So, you know, I don't know if that's always the best situation. Yeah, I don't think so either. I I, I mean, personally, I, I wouldn't. I don't know. I, I don't maybe get the fit, but it could be one of those things where, like, Tatum's unhappy and maybe they do something. I, I'm not sure. I think the only way that that works, though, for real, is if there's a third team. You've heard some reporting that. The Wizards also want to get up into the top three of this draft. And the only team in the top three that presumably wants to give up their pick is Portland. Portland could use some some near-term help if they're going to try to make another run at stuff. And they reportedly have put three and Anthony Simons on the table. So, you know, is is there a way to send three to, to Washington and... Simons and Beal or something like that to Boston and then Brown to Portland. I mean, those are the kind of things I think probably there are some phone calls about right now, if I had to guess. But whether or not you can make that work for three teams becomes really complicated pretty quickly, I would think. It is. Uh, and so the other piece of this you hit on, I think, is the probably the most important thing is Brad with the no trade clause. It's not just that he can reject any trade to any team. He can say, I only want to go to Miami, but I want to go to Miami to contend. And if I think Miami's giving up too much in a deal for me, he can veto the framework of any deal. It isn't just like he picks a destination and then sits back and lives with the like the trade. If he thinks it guts Miami and he doesn't want to go to a team that now can't win it, he can just say no thanks and and like let them continue to hash it out. So he could really drag this thing out and and make it ugly for teams you know, to get him if, if he doesn't want to go there for exactly what he wants to go there for. So um, that's that's the biggest sticking point. That's what I'm saying. He gets to GM his own deal. Right, exactly. In his deal, he's literally the GM. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He, he's the winger. Yeah, exactly, right? right? Michael Winger is just there to, to sign the paperwork. He, everybody yeah. plays, everybody drop, demotes a role. Yep. Winger goes to goes to assistant, right? Exactly. Yeah. Assistant goes to right. Everybody demotes the role because they can listen. All Brad can say is like, "This is what I want. This is who I want to go to. This is what I want it for. Mm-hmm. I do not want to lose these players. Make it happen." Yeah, yeah. I want to go to Milwaukee, but I don't want them to give up Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. So find another way to make it work. Like make it happen. Uh-huh. If you don't make it happen. See you next year. I think that's the one nice thing about all this. Like we talk about Brad could make it messy with the new trade clause and stuff, but I also can't see a world where Brad goes out of his way to like be a distraction. So if they can't make a deal work, he's not going to be the asshole that sits here and like, you know, rocks the boat or is a dickhead in practice until he gets traded. Like, I don't think he has that in him. 
Well, one thing Brad will know is, and especially top players, right? Mm-hmm. If you've the, the, been the main face of a franchise, one thing you know is how they feel now. Sure. Right. So how, how the team feels. I don't want to be. Back. I don't want to be playing for a team next season that has to settle with me yeah. being. That's fair. Right. Yeah. I'm, you're not going to get the best out of me. Sure. I'm not going to get the best out of you as as an organization. Yeah. My what I want here and my demands here pretty much will fall flat, you know, fall on deaf ears now. Mm-hmm. So he knows that also going into next season. Like, hey, I got to play yeah. ball a little bit too. Yep. And I got to make wherever I need. In the end of the day, Brad knows that I have to be somewhere I want to be mm-hmm. next year, uh, be happy somewhere I'm effective, somewhere where a team or I can play for a ring. But, you know, but also, I have to be somewhere. Yep. Right. I can't be. I really shouldn't be on the Wizards next next year. Yep. It wouldn't be. Then I would be. I would be doing a bad job of being a GM myself. The no trade clause would actually hurt me more than help. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, that's a really good point too, and and I think that's maybe where if you're the Wizards, you get a little bit of leverage back, or like. If you've had that comment with Brad, it's clear he's he's okay moving on, and you've made it clear you're okay moving him on. If if you can't find a deal that works for him, or he does veto all these trades that are reasonable to you, you can just say, okay, cool, we'll go into next year and and we'll you know we'll work this rebuild out. We don't have to rush to do a deal. This is why I never believed the like, oh, we're going to immediately do this before the you know the draft next week. Like this, this is too big a deal to pull off. In too quick a time frame. Maybe it happens still before the season. Maybe it's a month into the season. I don't think he's here long term. But at the very least, you know, you can you're the wizards. You can push back and say, like, all right, sorry, we're not trading you for nothing. So if you don't like any of the deals, then you know, sit tight and and then you hope that Brad's like, okay, I, I need to move on and and I'll maybe I'll be accepting of a deal that I wouldn't have taken a month ago. Yeah, they can wait them out. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, who's gonna Who's gonna play the weight like game the longest? Because at the end of the day, this is your career. Yeah, and that's that's the game. Like, look, we're in our positions already, mm-hmm. right? And we in our positions, we do have to make some moves, and we have to make an impact. Yeah, but if they let him know, we have the luxury. It's not like that. We have to make a exciting team to next year. Exactly. That's right? exactly. We're right. in a rebuilding phase. Yep. Right. Whether we do it now or December or next September. Right, we're or rebuilding, so yeah. we have a little more. We have the luxury of time on our on our side. Yep. Which he yep. Right, so yep. that's where their their leverage is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that's huge, and that's something I haven't heard from any of the ESPN reporting. Like you've had Brian Windhorst say that he thinks Brad Beal will get traded between now and next Thursday. And he said he thinks people are going to be very surprised at the price and how potentially low it's going to be for the Wizards because his contract is so unattractive. He he thinks like the moves that ESPN proposed, he and Bobby Marks, it was basically the Wizards trading him the dump salary. So like one of the ones they threw out was Brad for Tobias Harris, Furkan Korkmaz, and a 2030 first round pick that would be protected. Like if I'm the Wizards, I'm not doing that. Like I'm not in a hurry to give Brad away just to have cap flexibility. If I'm already going to rebuild, I don't care what my cap number is right now. Like I've got to spend the money. 
I, I wouldn't be in a rush to clear my books if I'm, you know what I mean? Like it just, I don't, I don't see the value of that. Kind of agree with Brian. Like I think for if you hire with the hiring they have, sure. they pretty much hired three GMs. Yeah. Right. Which is kind of unheard of for right. an organization. Right. Yep. So which means now you have three impeccable minds who've been doing this. Mm-hmm. What helps them more? Flexibility and, and flexibility with salary, right? Just a free cap space. Sure. Or I think, yeah, if I get a if I get a, another great superstar for Brad, great. But if I have time and money, now we can do what we want to do. I just can't see a world where they wouldn't do this for some amount of draft capital. And I don't know what a 2030 pick does for them. I, I agree. I agree with draft capital. Yeah. Like now, if, if it's if it's a salary dump plus some draft picks, and then, then the money is just to free up the books and make the numbers work. Okay, great. Or you're taking back a bad contract to get more draft capital. I, I get that too. I don't get just the here's a salary dump straight up. Uh, it, that that piece doesn't make as much sense to me personally. Um, or at least I'm hopeful they get something in return for it. I mean, th- th- I understand they're going to try to get something in return for it. Yeah, but they may not. But, but just to, and so and see, it works the other way around, right? They have time. But at the same time, I can't rebuild my team until I know what I have. Sure. I can't even start really rebuilding, rebuilding this organization mm-hmm. until I know what I have. Right. So until Brad is gone, I literally can't start the rebuilding process. Yeah, that's right. So what's more important, the rebuilding process or trying to get draft capital? Uh, yeah. I, I now, mean there's some trade off there. If it takes further on to almost the season start before I can get rid of Brad, we haven't even started our job. Yeah. Well, you could try to sign and trade Porzingis and Kuzma in the meantime and start that way. Try to get some assets for them. You could do, you know, you obviously make your eighth pick next week. Like there's some things they could do, but I, I agree with you. He's the biggest domino in all of this. Right. Uh, I, I think, like you said, once you get to this point, it's pretty clear, like everybody's got to move on. There's no like re, there's no patching this thing over, I guess, but whether you've been in this experience directly or seen about it or talked to other guys in it, what's that like where like everybody knows this person is going to be traded? It just hasn't happened yet. Like, is that an awkward locker room? Like how, how do, how do teammates handle Brad if we go into the next season and he still like hasn't been traded yet? You treat him the same, but he's not going to be the same. Yeah. Not, right? not, he, not locked in at all. Or He's not going to be as locked in. He's not stop the people who really, really aren't close to him. They now become just strangers, right? right? Because now everybody, everything and everybody in this locker room is expendable other Mm -hmm. than the people that I became truly brothers with. Yeah. Right. Right. Now I'm not, you become way more quiet. However, talking to Brad was shut that down by 50%. Makes sense. Right. Um. I'm just here. It turns to I'm just here. It's not a good feeling. It's not a. It becomes it can become selfish. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's not a good situation to keep that have Brad there next year. Not for teammates, not for Brad, not for the organization. I, I think Wes Unsell Jr. probably gets the brunt of that like awkwardness and stuff. How much do you play him? How much do you feature him? Like, How much does he listen to me? Right, exactly. Is he going to be ignoring me in practice or what I tell right. him to if do? If that's the case, how do I run my team? Yeah. When the, now the head of the the head of the team, the, the my players don't give a shit, <laughs> you right. know? There was that story about when Jimmy Butler was getting traded for Minnesota and going into the practice and and like, you know, making a shit show of it. I, I still don't see Brad doing that piece. But to your point, if he just sits there and he's disengaged, that might just be bad enough. I mean, that that's. Yeah, Brad is a, a complete professional. Yeah, I think he will be too. He won't. But it's a way to be disengaged. It's a way to not be a spectacle and just go like create antics. Mm-hmm. And them to know that he don't want to be here. It's not working. It's bad. Uh, I guess, Johnny, were you ever traded straight up in your career or did you sign other places free agent wise? No, I was traded. Uh, was that to Phoenix or? Yeah, I was traded to Phoenix from Washington. Can you walk <laughs> us through what that's like? I to just traded? did. <laughs> I just did. Okay. That really everything I just told you. That's personal experience. Personal experience. Okay. So so you they told you we're gonna try to trade you and then it took a while and, and like, I knew I well I knew so the year before I was mm-hmm. started. Yep. Every, every the entire time from Bernie. No, no. From Bernie. Think was it when Bernie left? So when Bernie was there, I think I started starting at the middle, the middle of that season. Okay. Then the next year, I was like, "Oh, I'm guaranteed starting." Then they brought Ike Austin in, and he started. Uh-oh. And then I ended up having to work myself back to the starting position from there. Okay. So I kept starting. So then the next year, I think I started. Then Jordan came in. I was starting, and I started all the way through. Mm-hmm. Then um, what was the coach? The coach that came from the Nets came in. Jordan Johnson, Bison, mm-hmm. Bison, uh, uh, Leonard Hamilton. Oh, Leonard and Garver. Jeez, the year, uh, Jordan left. the year Jordan left. The year um, it's terrible that I'm drawing a blank on this. Well, he came in. Oh, right. Eddie Eddie Jordan. Eddie Jordan. Yeah, sorry. I didn't know it was him already. I was thinking there was somebody else in the match. You stick with me very well. I don't blame you. <laughs> so he came in, and we're in practice, and, you know, I'm doing what I do. I'm killing everybody. Mm-hmm. And um, so Brendan, uh, not Brendan, uh, Haywood, Brendan Haywood mm-hmm. came in. And, I mean, he's been playing behind me this entire time. So, and and I just, I'm stronger than him. I'm just more physical. Yeah. So I, I always been able to, you know, score on him. And you know, he's a good player. Nothing taken away from him. Yeah, sure. He was still he was still pretty young, and and you right. know, you're you're more physically developed dude right. at that point. You're probably so was, bullying him. Yeah. So I was bullying him, killing him in practice. Yeah. And I heard Eddie George say, "Brennan, if you keep letting Jihadi do that to you, you he's going to take your starting position." This is. 
this is training camp at this time. Wow. So he had already just come in and said, well, that's the starter without, without talking to you. In to tr- so he came here already with the start, his starters in mind, yeah. no matter how things have been going. Yeah. Not what you want to hear. From that point on, I was like, I'm out of here. Yeah. I don't blame you. I'm out of here. I'm somehow I'm working my way to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And through that process of working my way to get, get out of there, I stopped. I mean, I was, I, I should do everything. Sure. I'm not going to lie. Everything they asked me to do, I wanted to do community relations. I mm-hmm. wanted to do this. I was their go-to guy. Yeah. And I, it was just him saying that was so much of, so yeah. potent and so, so much of everything. I stopped doing it. That's a middle finger directly to you, you know? Yes, middle finger directly to me without, without giving me a chance to lose my position. Yeah. The difference if you gave me a chance to lose my position. Sure. Right? It wasn't in you just came in and said your position's gone. Or even if he just said, Hey Brendan, you're taking yourself out of the running to be a starter. You know, right. like just you know, at least that's hey, then it's an open competition. You know, right. it'll the the play will dictate what we do. Yeah. So So once I was done, I was done. So, you know, I I called my my agent at the time, David Falk. Mm-hmm. Hey, I gotta get out of here. And so that process took a while. Mm-hmm. And throughout the process, he kept saying, they don't want to let you go. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, they want me to be a backup. I'm like, the, in the my GM, mind, the GM doesn't, the coach doesn't. Mind, especially yeah. at that time, you yeah. know. So they want me to be a backup and they want to keep me as the perfect ultimate backup. No. Yeah. So, you know, from then on, it's just like I said, just. People who wasn't close to me, I stopped talking to them. Mm-hmm. You know, the fifty percent of them, what I, you know, the vocal person I was, that decreased. Mm-hmm. I only would talk to the, you know, organization and staff of a, a train head. If I need to get my ankle state, take my ankle. Yeah, everything just became a blur of fours, like this being super engaged. Yeah, until I was gone. I think that's human nature, right? Like, why right. would I be super invested in something if I don't think they're right. invested in me? Right, exactly. So you tell your agent, your agent communicates that to the front office. Does somebody from the front office come to talk to you? Does Eddie come to talk to you about it? Or they just, you you all know it's happening, but you never discuss it. They talk through your agent and your okay. agent gives you the feedback. I got you. Right. Eddie would never talk to me. No one would ever talk to me. So now was, Brad, different. I'm not Brad. Yeah, that, that, I'm that's for Brad. That's the, the Supermax will do that. Yeah. He's going, I think Brad can kind of walk upstairs if he have to, but it, I think in this situation, mm-hmm. it's best for them to completely deal with his agent because yeah. this is a tough situation sure. to where um, you really, really would have to stay professional, but you have to stay professional dealing with a decision on your career, mm-hmm. right? And you have leverage. Yep. So, you know, sitting at that boardroom, at that, at that conference table, if someone tells you something about your career and, it, you know, sometimes the professionalism can lose, you can, you know, yeah. probably can, won't lose it, you know, so. Sure. You're still a person with a, you know, self belief well, at the end of the day. Career, when it's your career, you know, it, emotions can 
play a part. And you never want emotions ever to come in the place of business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that makes sense. I, I think, again, for, for Brad, I, I expect him to be the guy that goes about his business. And it's easier to do if he's not the one having to have direct convos with anybody, to your point. Like if the agent's handling, he could just show up every day and put his work in and keep his head down and right. um, hopefully some quiet, reasonably quick resolution. I, I have heard anecdotally from people like what a big deal it was for all parties for Brad to break that scoring record and for somebody in the Ted Leonsis era to be, you know, in the rafters with some of this stuff. And, and Brad will still have his jersey retired here someday or whatever. But I do think that mattered to them, at least at some level. And maybe now you're just saying like, nah, second place is good enough. Like we're, we're moving on before the then. The fact that he didn't want to do that yeah. says more. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. The fact that he, that wasn't the main thing. For he, I mean, he was already gone. Yeah. And I think that, I think that's a good point. And, you know, there was, there was no ringing endorsement of Wes Unsell Jr. from Brad at the end of the year. It wasn't. I'm I'm so excited to run all this back with everybody next year. It, it was a lot more muted than I think we had seen from him. So at least that idea was percolating somewhere, uh, if not like totally decided already. Uh, I think this says a lot about this front office too and what they want to do with this team. Like, I don't think we're in for a swap Brad for another guy, you know, of his stat, like stature and and try to run it back with everybody else. Like, I think this is a, a tear it down to the studs kind of thing that we're uh, that we're in the market for here. Uh, have you been about the wipe the slate clean and start all over? Were any of the teams that you were on were like you were you on the front end of a hey we're gonna do this move? Like what's that like to be on a player on a team where you know the GMs are about to blow all this stuff up? Uh, <laughs> it's uh, you don't care, honestly. You're just doing your thing. As long as you do it, you're doing your job, and hopefully the chip, hopefully things don't touch you. Mm-hmm. And that's really how you kind of look at it, right? Sense. Hey, am I doing my job enough to where I'm still, I can still be a, a factor, or you know, they need? Am I? Does the role I play on this team so unique and dynamic that even if they blow it up, they still need a person like me? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how you kind of look at everything because you have no control over it at all. Yeah. Right. And once you've been traded, once you realize you have no control over anything, right? You just you just do your job and hope you're not the guy. Makes sense. Because yeah. just like uh when I got traded to Phoenix, I, I could tell halfway through Phoenix they was about to blow it up. Once Stefan Marbury was surprised he left and he had to look on the face like <laughs> I was like, okay. When, when that like, guy moves, everybody else knows they're in trouble, right? When the, when the main guy and and just don't know it, they're about to blow things up. Just like when I was with the Wizards and Jawan Howard left out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that's the writing is on the wall. But I feel comfortable in what I've done that I know that I'm not the guy they consider. Sure. That's fair. Uh, it is interesting to note here, just sort of the parallel a little bit, like the Michael Winger front office in LA was the one that came in and essentially, and and I think Blake Griffin has said this directly about Michael Winger. Winger was the guy that said, we're not trading you. And then he left that meeting and on the car ride home, he heard on the radio, he had been traded. Um, so 
I think as players, you know that about like you're probably doing your homework on all your new front office guys. Like you've heard that story from other people in the league. That's obviously different with Brad because he has to co-sign any deal, if not make the deal up himself. But, uh, you know, like if I'm the other guys on this on this roster, I'm like, oh, shit, these are the kind of people that might just trade me tomorrow. And I might not know about it until it's happened. And tell you to your face. Yeah, Dude, you're fine. Almost. I say 70 percent of GMs. Will tell you your face, you're fine mm-hmm. and trade you a drop of a hat if a good deal comes. Even tell you your face, you're fine, while understanding this is a good deal that's there that we're going to trade. Right? Is that because they think you'll say it to your agent who will blow things up if they don't like the trade or try to sandbag the deal? Or I, I don't I don't understand the value of that. I'd rather players not be on First of all, they have to protect the deal. Yeah, that's fair. And then they know the dynamic of GM to player mm-hmm. is never good. Yeah. So. You know, and sometimes gym to agent, right? So, in the end of the day, your agent only can only knows knows what the GM and the organization tells. Your agent is not Superman and yeah, demand yeah. what right. So, if your agent, if I have a close enough relationship to your agent, I might oh, look. This really what's going on. Mm-hmm. But if I don't, and we just it's just business, I'm not obligated to tell your agent anything. Yeah, exactly. Like, yo, I, that's what people forget about agents is they're not perfect. Like they're not. They're not in the room making the. You know, they're not in the room. They're not obligated to the information. Sure. Right? They they're literally a reporter. I mean, an interviewer. Hey, hey, look, hold the mic and say, look, can you tell me something about my player? Can you tell me what you're just thinking about what's going on? Mm-hmm. Right now, we think as players, sometimes agents are pervy to all the information that that's probably what the agents want you to think, right? Yeah, that's what they want you to think. But so when when the players like, man, he told me I wasn't gonna get traded. Yeah, the GM didn't tell him he wasn't gonna get traded. The GM told his agent he wasn't gonna get traded. Mm-hmm. The agent told him. It's just the middleman. I'm, I'm like, I'm being self-aware here. One of my character flaws, I am a petty person. So if I knew a GM had lied to my face and then traded me, I'd be like, F that guy. Like, I, you know what I mean? And I'd be telling everybody he dirtbagged me. Uh, I I just think that's like, seems like a bad business move to, to do that. I feel like it's a bad, it's a bad relationship move. Mm Mm-hmm. But the GM's obligation is to protect the team. Yeah, that's fair. And if somehow that trade gets blown up, right, that makes it's going to be on the GM, right? So GM has a you know unique, unique situation, and hopefully you can go through you know your career being a GM that doesn't have to lie to players. Sure, but it's tough. And I totally get the business move. I just. You know, even if you give a guy like a subtle heads up, doesn't have to be the exact deal, but just like, well, you know, like everybody's on the table is different than, oh, no, no, we would never trade you. Like, yeah, but I could, as a player, I can make the calls just like you, just like you can yeah. make the call to the team. Yeah. That's I can make point. the call to the exact player. Yeah. That's a good point. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Hey, bro, look, they trying to do this between me. <laughs> that's the case. 
let's make it hard on them and make them have to do this. Yeah. I don't want to move. You don't want to move, right? It's, uh, obviously, having never been traded, uh, I don't I don't know what this feels like. I, I, I mentioned the, you know, Brad's not going to pick somewhere that's not good for him and his family. And, and that's the benefit he's earned by having this no trade clause. Like he, he signed that deal. He gets that perspective. I, I just what's that like to have to just be like, oh, shit, I now have two days to totally pick up and move and relocate and find a house and all. I mean, I, that's got to be terrible. It's the worst. It's the worst. You try to sell your house back home. Right. Finding schools, you know. Right. Finding schools. Um, there's nowhere you for you to stay when you get there. So you stay usually whoever you just got traded for, you stand at his house. Okay. That's a good idea. That's a good idea, right? I mean you know somebody who lived who who played in that city and they still have a home there, just rent their house. Like it's mm-hmm. it's like that. You know, I'm staying at the person's house I got traded. Right. Right. It, it's, it's, it's chaos. Mm-hmm. And you try to make the most of it and still be, and then you have to have your best face on for the new team you're going to. So it's a lot. It is a lot. Like trading, that, that first time you get traded is never good unless you feel like you're going somewhere where the grass may be greener, sure. which is not, usually is not the case. Right. The, the sun may be shinier, the wind, the weather may be better, but the, you won't know if the grass is greener till you understand how the organization works, how the facilities work, how things work there. Then you're like, okay, the grass is greener or not, right? So just like Milwaukee, mm-hmm. like if I'm Brad, Milwaukee would be like could be the best or the worst. Like who wants to go to Milwaukee? You, like, you better be winning something if I'm going to go right. spend a cold winter like, up there. Who wants to go be in Milwaukee anytime, not even as a player, just as a person in general. Sure. <laughs> right. but, yeah. but at the same time, what if the organization is great? Mm-hmm. You know, what if they treat their players great? The facility is great, the, right? That makes Milwaukee great. It makes being in Milwaukee great. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? So the team, if I, I get to play with Giannis, I get to play for a championship guaranteed, you know, almost. Yeah, that like, makes it all a little more worth it. All of that makes this, the, if the fans are amazing, sure. that makes the, the city of Milwaukee an amazing place. Yeah. More appealing, at least, you know. Yeah, more appealing, right. So those are, those are the factors you don't get to see until sure. you're in it. Right. I don't get to find that out. Yeah, I may talk to some players or whatever. But it'll still be different for you. I don't you, get to right? experience that myself until yeah. I decide that I'm traded there. And that's a great point. I think that's one of the things we lose sight of as fans. Like one of the comments when I said, like, well, Brad still has to uproot his family. They're like, well, Brad doesn't care about living in D.C. He lives in L.A. in the summer anyway. Well, yeah, I mean, if I, I wouldn't mind having a, a, an L.A. house to live uh, for three months out of the year, but he's still... He's still here and his family is still in that city for the majority of the year. And that's not inconsequential about picking your destination. Like, uh, how how much do things like we always hear like, well, maybe Houston or Miami are more appealing as destinations, like places that don't have certain taxes and things like that. As a player, are you really factoring that kind of thing in or is it? 
I don't know. Does it depend on like the player? I guess like how much they prioritize. If you if you consider taxes as a player, you do it anyway. Yeah, I did. We all do. What we do is get a little Florida address or <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Address, yeah, right, and make it our permanent residence. I'm hoping I'm not giving this giving this game away. Make it your permanent residence. We'll delete this one if somebody comes after us. We won't know what they're talking about. Put your car it with a Texas plate, a yep. Florida plate. Everything is there. Yeah. Now, and and that's how you do that. So mm-hmm. tax-wise, you don't, you know, but a lot of players do live in Texas because of that. Sure. A lot of players live in Florida because of that, because it's not only the tax-wise. It's nice places to live, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, that's wherever you decide you are, you are in the summer, yeah. the off season. You decide wherever. Most places, most players don't make their main home where they're from in the off season. They make their main place in the off season to where they can do majority of their training, yeah. and and where they can, where a lot of other players that play their sports are. Mm-hmm. Now I have the where we could train together. I can we can I have someone to, you know, steel sharper steel. Right. Yeah. You you want right. those LA summer pickup runs and things right. like that. Accessibility. Yeah. Yeah. You're more Vegas. You know, there are more guys popping up in Vegas and things like that. And it's right. it's close enough to LA and California to go hit the beach if you want to a little bit here and there. But these guys are still working year round. It's not like they're right. like, the off season. The main thing is still got to. Off season is all about being a better player than you came back the season before. Right. That's so the main right. thing. The main thing is more the main thing off season than it is on season mm-hmm. during the season. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, the other thing being reported here too, uh, and, and this has been something I think even like Brian Windhorst pointed out that uh, Chris Porzingis opting in for his thirty-six million dollars with Washington next season has become more likely under the old front office the assumption that was that porzingis would opt out and resign a long-term deal for lesser money to stay with the wizards now uh he he may take the money now that comes with um opting in and then try to hit free agency next year i guess what would you do if you were porzingis would you take the 36 million and and try it again next year or would you say hey i just had a great year i need to get a long-term deal here done no matter what and they can someone could still trade me either way uh, I, I, I'm, I think I'm still team long-term deal if I were him. I would opt out. Yeah, I think I would opt out. Long. Listen, you. When it's deal time, it's deal time. Mm-hmm. When you did your job, you did your job. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I'm not opting in now. For Zingas, you know, maybe it depends on who's in his corner, who's talking to him. You know, new new GM that's. You know, putting the arms around him, saying you're the guy we're gonna build around, and you know, give him one more year. And 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 not every agent tells you the best option. They just give it to you and say, "What do you want to do?" Mm-hmm. But to me, Porzingis did his job. Right. Yeah, he was as good as I think we could have reasonably expected. You know, I don't, I don't see a better Porzingis. I, I agree. Right yeah. Right. So. Me knowing that I did my job, I did what it took takes to be able to get a new contract mm-hmm. anywhere. Sure. I'm doing it. I, I understand. At least I'm testing the market. 
Well, that's the thing. Like, unless there's no market there, then maybe you have to take it. But I, right. I got to imagine someone will offer him twenty-five to thirty million dollars a year for a couple of years. And if, and if I'm hitting, right. yeah, where where do I sign if that's the case? Right. So it's not a it's not a time limit when you have to opt in and opt out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there is. I just don't know what that date is off the top of my but head. It definitely should be enough time to be able. They got to get in the. I mean, you got to give them enough time to test them on. Yeah, it, it's like once free agency started or whatever, you have some time to to see where your what your value would be with other teams. But I just I don't know what the cutoff date is off the top of my head. What do you think this means for Kuzma? To to me, like the Porzingis one, maybe he's here. Maybe they protect the asset and give him a long term deal and think they could trade him anyway. I don't know. I feel like this is almost a done deal for Kuzma at this point. Like if Brad's gone. Do you want to give him $30 million a year to stay here at this point? I, I wouldn't. If, if I, if I, the writing is on the wall to me. Yeah. If Chad Leons is hiring, restructuring, monumental, literally, yeah. he's restructuring everything. Yeah, I agree. Kuzma's a great player. He's not incredible enough to build around. Right. So yeah. to me, if it's going to be a restructuring time, let's restructure. Yeah. And they could still sign and trade him and get something back for doing I it. Age, I have age. I have now as a young players league, it's time mm-hmm. to get young players. Yep. Time to be able to compete. What's the team right now that's the young players that we compete against that's, that's out there that we can pattern our game after? Mm hmm. Sacramento, Sacramento, just to, Memphis, close something. enough to get close enough to a Sacramento type of game. Yeah, but close enough trying to run the Sacramento type of offense. Mm-hmm. But you know, which is nothing but the Spurs offense for real. But, um, but that's it's a copycat league. Yeah, no matter how many GMs Ted getting there. They're going to pattern something after something that's already working. Yeah, they've learned from people in other positions where teams are successful too. Absolutely, they're not going to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. They just have more mind, more that GM minds that been there to do it better. Now, that's to me. That's one thing about it is if this doesn't work, you pretty much put the Avengers together. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, if you blow this one, you put the Avengers yeah. together, right? You got a GM from. From the Clippers, a GM from OKC, one from the Hawks, and that was assistant at the uh, at Golden State when they won two titles. Yeah, if you if you can't rebuild with that group, I don't know what you do. Man, like only thing that can that can make them fall apart is ego. Yeah, you know, but if they work together. I mean, in a board rush, but think about drafts draft time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, he got he pretty much put the Avengers together. Sure. Now, if I know I now if I'm I'm uh, Linger, Winger, Winger, yeah. Winger, right, Michael Winger. That if I know I have that core group under me, I don't care about. I'll be honest. I don't care about. I may care about Porzingis. Sure. I don't care about under it. I hate to say it, I don't care about all the players I have now. Yep. 
I have the Avengers. Yeah, they're not here long term. Those guys are, they're going to take care of that. I now have the perfect group to restructure, something I never had. I would have to take all this weight and put it on myself. Mm -hmm. I have all these beautiful basketball GM minds, right? Minds that we can build. Yeah. And it's the only way you would do that and structure that and, and, as Ted would put that together, is for that particular reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. You're not going to do that and then sit on your hands. I do that sit on your hands and, and be tied up. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. You know, look at Miami. They have a. They don't have a. They took a whole lot of players that was pretty much out the league, no names, mm-hmm. and said, "But this this core fits." Golden State was the same thing. Steph wasn't a superstar before he was Golden State. Clay wasn't a superstar before he. Draymond re- definitely wasn't one. And there's a reason they fell where they fell in the draft. Players. Yeah, exactly. And I think with them, they saying let's try to put a get few good, really good players, and then a good dynamic of, of role players that we know who can work well together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think fans, that's all we want at this point, right? Is like a bunch of dudes moving in the right direction, you know, mm-hmm. paddle in the same way. And are they fun and young and there's hope for the future? Like you give but, me that as a fan, I'll never complain. But the only thing is when you get, when you do that, mm-hmm. you have to have a great leader. Yeah, for sure. I mean, as a coach, mm-hmm. right? Because the only time those type of teams work, you have the right, that right leader as a coach. Yeah, like you can push Mike all Brown. the right buttons and right, like a Mike Brown. Like when it's young players, or or have somebody on the team like a Chris Paul. You better get Chris Paul ass over here if you want to get that. Like <laughs> yeah. you get what I'm saying? No, you, that's yeah. all for you. If we go mm-hmm. for you, you can coach the youth more like college players. Mm-hmm. Then you can coach somebody who's been in the NBA a while that's kind of so used to like a you don't want. You can coach the youths just like uh, the Phoenix Suns when they, right? There was yeah. a lot of youth on the team. Just, yeah, you can dictate so now stuff. You can push them and create a mold them, create a mindset, right? Mm-hmm. You can talk to them a little more crazy. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. And you can, and that crazy talk can actually push them further. Mm-hmm. Just like um, players when they first, a lot of players always say this back in my day. They always say this. I wish when you get drafted, you want to go to pop first. Mm. Yeah, somebody that someone you're going to listen to, right? Like it's somebody's going to just right. Somebody. So now, once you leave the Spurs, don't matter where you go, because mm-hmm. now you've, lear- you've learned. Yeah, yeah, you already got instilled in. Right, right. And you don't want to go to pop later. <laughs> you don't want to ever go to pop last sure. uh, later in your career. Uh, now that's you, when you want Mike D'Antoni at the end, where you don't have you to practice. Right, exactly. So, right now, this could be the new situation where everybody that you can go to pop first. Yep, I like that. It, it's like interesting when the Sixers did the process and they took only young guys and they had no vets on the roster. And you don't see teams do that anymore. I think teams have learned their lesson that you need like a few old school vets to at least teach these guys good habits. And you mentioned like a Chris Paul, it's got to be somebody that's got enough cachet that they'll listen to 
but will teach them good habits and is okay being in a mentoring role. I, I thought like Vince Carter was really helpful for those young Hawks and Grizzlies teams because he was Vince Carter. Like they all you know, know and respect him, but he was telling them like, no, this is what you need to do. This is how hard you need to work. Uh, Paul Pierce here in Washington for a couple of years or for a year, yeah. I think made a big difference for some of the younger guys. You got to hurt feelings. Yeah. Young right. guys got to be straight up, more straight up and down to hurt feelings. Mm -hmm. And they'll get more out of that. Yep. Right. That's Older that guys, sense. by the time you, you say something that's the, they get sensitive about it, it's a fight. <laughs> right. Right. Yep. Yeah. Right. Right. Because young, young guys come from a college situation where the coaches say anything to you. Yeah, it's just some crazy shit. Yeah. Make, won't make you run through a wall. Yeah. Well, you can continue that. Mm -hmm. But especially if they respect you as a vet, right? And yeah. that you're giving them something that they never seen before, heard before, knowledge and teaching them, right? Mm -hmm. You become a, 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 a tough love mentor, mm -hmm. which is irreplaceable. Was there a guy like that for you like when you first came in that was the guy that kind of said, like, all right, young fella, here's how we do things? It was, but he left too soon. Okay. It was Terry Davis. Mm, okay. Terry Davis and I literally almost got in a fight in the locker room. Over right. me trying to shoot, trying to let a doctor shoot something in my knee so I could play the next game. Wow. Okay. I'm thinking he was like, oh, man, like, I'm thinking – he don't want me to play because you know we played. I played behind him. We sure. played the same position. He was like, "You get that stuff shot in your knee. You won't play once that wears off. You won't play the next year." Right. He don't want the long and term. He was literally willing to fight me over it. Yeah. Yeah. You need that, right? You need somebody to save you from yourself sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Like we were literally about to square off over that. Yeah. Him trying to save my career. That's a good friend. That's a good friend. Love him to this, love him to this day. Talk to him all the time. That's great. Yeah. I, I never have to question you. Yep. Right. Exactly. This guy will tell me what I actually need to hear, not what he thinks I want to hear. Now he would make me, he would make me listen. Yep. <laughs> right. Physically make me listen if I have to. But that's how, but see, that's how it goes though. I, 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 I love that. And I hope that this front office keeps that in mind. If this is a teardown of like, we still need some of those kind of guys. Like that's actually what the team I would want a Taj Gibson on maybe less. So this year's team where we needed him to play and, and right. put him on the, the team with the young fellas. Yeah. Tell you, add Chris Paul to the roster. You got to play as coach. That's undeniable. Yep. I like that. Uh, is a little bit of, I think, personally disappointing news. Um, Wizards assistant coach Ryan Richmond, one of the young guys on the staff, is taking a job to be the head coach of the Seahorses Mikawa in Japan. And he's 30 years old. He was the coach of the um, Capital City Go-Go a couple years ago. Did a great job. Really good dude. Was huge for player development for people like Otto Porter and sat in the gym with him every day, repping out jump shots. And uh, also Mike Williams, the most recent coach of the capital city go-go Jody, when we did first media day with mike when he got the job his his own players did not know he was only 25 years old they thought he was like in his mid-30s because he was just like so mature and with it and already given head coaching job and like there were a couple players on the team that were older than he was and uh, he, he's just like he's a dude that will be an nba head coach some point for sure 
and he's leaving to go be an assistant coach for the Utah Jazz, uh, which I- I'm happy for them. Maybe that's a move. You're going to um, somewhere in. Oh, sorry. Two two different guys left. Okay. Two different former um, Ryan Richmond that was on the Wizard staff this year used to be the go go head coach. Mike Williams, that was the go-go head coach most recently that replaced Ryan, they're both leaving. One is going to Japan to be a head coach. Um, that's Ryan Richmond. Mike Williams is going to be Utah's assistant coach. Okay. So both guys I really liked. They're like, if either of them were head coaches in the NBA in 10 years, I would not be shocked. And I think they were like the two young bright spots on this front office staff. So now we've seen four assistant coaches leave uh, this offseason. So I... I haven't heard any news about who is replacing them or they're backfilling those jobs with, but um, I, I don't know. That would that would worry me a little bit uh, if those weren't, you know, th- th- these aren't guys they ran out because they were dead weight. You know what I mean? These are two young guys that are that are bright spots around the league. So I, I'm I'm a little surprised to see them both leave in the same offseason. Both of those guys were there before West came head coach, right? Exactly, and but. That's that's what I wonder about too. Is like, all right, we're not here. Like, the, he's not our guy. We were Scott Brooks guys. Um, you know, we well, stayed stayed here short coach term. Coach a different way. Every every coach has a different philosophy mm-hmm. uh, of how they coach, right? Of how they right. Some <laughs> and it's almost who you came who you came under, mm-hmm. right? So. Even if they're great play, great coaches and great with the players, if it's too many philosophies mm-hmm. trying to go into one coaching scheme, yeah, it's everything clash and doesn't work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now they might have great ones, great philosophies, but I can't. They don't fit completely. Mm-hmm. Completely put my philosophy out on the table, and we and my system on the table. Mm-hmm. And then we could tweak my system, fine. Yeah, sure. But if we disagreeing and we changing my system, now it's three or four systems existing in the same system. Yep. It's a, yep. it's, it's, it's just a big catastrophe. Yeah, that, right. And so if I'm the head coach and I'm not fully being able to get my system through, because no matter how much when you process my system. You're going to regurgitate it in your system's way, mm-hmm. right? Just how your brain works. There's nothing wrong with the coach and nothing. It's just how they how they see the game. I can't train. I look at it like training. I can't train a a point guard how to be um, Steph Curry, sure. right? Because I don't, because I have to teach him how to be more like an Allen Iverson because I know more, I've been around Allen Iverson more, I know mm-hmm. Allen Iverson the way he played, mm-hmm. right? So it's, there's no way I can just go, I may can look at film, I may can sure. look at some YouTube videos and try it, but Not my, a natural natural, yeah. my natural self and my natural understanding of a point guard mm-hmm. and the natural person I had to study every day would be Allen Iverson, so I have to teach that philosophy. Yeah. Even if you teach me Steph Curry stuff, I'm gonna regurgitate into Allen Iverson. Wait, and so that's what's happening with the coaches, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so now it had to be more coaches that pretty much understand the system he's running already. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, but now that 
I ran this system before I can make the system better this way. Sure. I ran the system before I can add this value to that system. Mm-hmm. Right. So now it's just not a lot of like combating the catastrophe going on. Yeah, both guys started like the video room, worked their way up. They were kind of like uh, they both started at the University of Maryland, but then were were lifers in their pro careers with the Wizards. And and, and that's a great point. You start under one coach. They tried it for a couple of years. Maybe that was their move. Maybe it was Wes's move. Maybe a little bit of both. They, uh, but either way, really nice guys, both of them smart guys and uh, wish them both well here uh, with their with their new roles. Johnny, I think that's all I got for you here. Anything else? No, that's it, man. Glad to see you again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we we got some more fun stuff coming here. It'll be the draft, and then we basically the week after that are free agency. So I think we'll got a, a loaded couple shows here coming up. All right, let's do it. All right, everybody. You know the drill. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff, and we will catch you all next time. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube